Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Okay, Father, have your way right now. I'm hungry to hear from your word. Father, thank you for what you've already said to us this morning. I didn't realise you were going to minister to us so directly and so succinctly about our identity. So Father, right now, by your spirit, continue to speak to each one of us. Because it's our choice, guys, whether we hear or don't. It's not my job to make you listen. Even though I do my best, it's up to each one of us to choose. To choose to engage with the Holy Spirit of the living God. From Him we were sent, by Him we are sustained. And when our time is done, to Him we shall return. I'm buzzing a bit, guys, and it's not caffeine. It's not. Grab your seats, shake hands, greet someone around you if you haven't done that. We're we're family here. We're church. We're not just here to go, you know, come, tick boxes. Thank you, team. Okay. Gather your thoughts, Steve. Wasn't that a fantastic um, intro? Like, great worship. Callum, thank you for the leading of worship team. Thank you so much. Because we don't do productions in this church. We do. It's, a, it's actually their worship. And I love it. I love it when the drums get to worship. I love it when Fletch is on the bass worshipping. Yeah. Dave's always worshipping. Ange, love her singing. Let's stop there or else I'm just going to go through the whole team. One thing about priests, it's very important that priests seek God on behalf of others, not just for themselves. I don't know if you heard that. My wife reminded me of that as I'm about to get up. I'm going, that's gold. I'm going to sound like a genius. (laughs) But priests seek for the good of others, not just for their own good. Men, you're priests over your home. Oh, man. There's so much in that. That's not what I'm going to talk about. But identity is part of that. Our identity. In the Bible, when um, God called them to build anything, he said, build according to the pattern. The ark, build according to this pattern. The tabernacle, just little tents that they were going to travel around in. That's what tabernacle means, a tent. They traveled around, build according to the pattern. When they came to the temple, build according to the pattern. Solomon then added to the temple by building his his palace, his castle, in accordance to the pattern of heaven that God gave him. We're meant to build according to a pattern. I'm shaking. Oh, calm down, Stephen. We've got to build according to the pattern. Now, we might look at that and say, okay, that means there must be a way to build a building, a new building that is a heavenly pattern because that's what it means. Maybe. I have always had this statement in my head since we, like, it was over, it's coming up to 20 years now since Kylie and I 
stepped into ministry and were given the, the privilege of leading. And since that day, I have been talking about building. It's just in me. We renovate. We're doing stuff all the time. It never stops. But, um, yeah, we've wanted to build, and I've talked about building, and we've talked about putting a new building in for a long time. We've, and it must be annoying to some of you because I talk about it really passionately. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And everyone's like, we're going to do it. And I go, yeah, we're going to do it. When? No idea. So we do have some pictures. Is it, okay, is, is it okay if I show you some pictures? These are just CGI representations. It's like this is just to whet your appetite to show you some other things. But this is the overtop. They're very kind and generous. All our neighbours have disappeared. <laughs> Which could be prophetic. But... Um, so that's virtually, and, and this building that we're now in is gone. So nothing's obstructing your view from a clear and concise image of the new building. No, it, let's get there. So that's what it looks like overall. Over, so that is east, that is west. This is on the east side now, which will be facing this way. For those that are, you know, situational awareness and all that, does it matter? So the sun will rise on these, there are windows there, you can't really see it. So keep sliding through. The next one just shows the entrance. So they'll be all glass. That'll be an entrance then into the foyer. This will be outdoor entertaining over on the left-hand side. And as you go around, this entrance has big barn doors that will slide across. That's all glass in the front. And behind that, we'll have trusses that are out of the IPC, our input packing sheds that we reclaimed, and they'll be hung up in there, make it look good. We want to put glass all the way down the the main auditorium. So, um, and then we come around. This will be the servants' ent entrance. No, that'll be where all the sound goes in. That'll probably turn into our administration wing. And then we, oh, that's what it looks like at night. <laughs> I got new glasses. I still can't see that. We need a new screen. Yeah, need a new 4K big screen. It's only like, I don't know, $80,000. Which one day we'll be talking about costs and that. Because you've got to, this is an incredible opportunity. Oh, have a look at some of the ideas. Can you throw up the floor plan? For those that haven't seen the floor plan. So over on the left-hand side where the sun streams in in the morning, um, that's going, we've drawn that up as being our auditorium to start off with. Because council, when we told them we want to build this auditorium, they go, you can't do it. And it's like, everybody else is building big things. And we go to do it and they go, nah, can't do it. And it's like... I see big buildings going around and nobody has a problem with it. So, obviously, we'll get there. So, over 450 people meeting together on this property, they have an issue with. So, they want to restrict us to only a maximum of 450 people on this property at any one time. They can't do that. They were wishful thinking and it'll never happen. But the main auditorium will open up. I don't even know if we'll do the left-hand side and make that an auditorium as a stepping stone. It might be the first one we do in that first in the foyer. Then we'll just bump through on the rest. It's going to be about 60 metres long. Not, it, not if. It will be exactly 60 metres long by 36 metres wide. The foyer, the little entrance buffer that's on the front. So you, you can sort of see the glass area over on the third one down on the left. Um, that's the entrance. So as you walk in, nice big open area. We'll probably have a coffee machine in there. Then that filters through. Um, that's enough of building. Have you got a good picture on that? So when we, 
we came up with plans and we've had many different concepts for plans and how we can do it. And this seems to be the one that keeps coming back and time and time again. But in my head, do you remember the movie? Some of you might, you've seen it. Um, Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner movie. Silly fantasy story, but in it was a truth. Build it and they will come. And that was in my head all the time. Don't worry about things, Stephen, because you just need to build it and they will come. And I'm like, okay, we've just got to do this thing. You've got to realize I mistranslated, misinterpreted what God was actually saying to me. I was thinking it was about a building, build it and they will come, when it was actually no, it was different. Hmm. It was to build, because we are, each one of us, are a combination of what we are born with, our genetics and everything like that, and then the most dominant culture that we allow to influence us. We are the end result of those things. People say, is it nature or is it nurture? It is both. Both. So more and more, God told me, you need to build a lifestyle that's attractive. You need to build, you need to, Stephen, be attractive. Not good looking. I've already got that. But, good, I'm glad you can laugh at me (laughs) or with me. Jenny believes that's an eternal truth. (laughs) But we are meant to be attractive to people. I can't even hold my tea. I am shaking so much at the moment. Father, I just thank you that this isn't just a natural reaction to anything. By your spirit, Father, move in our midst today. Philippians 4, sorry, Philippians 1, 9. So Paul is right in the middle of being imprisoned. He's, oh, sorry, he's getting towards the end of being imprisoned and he's writing to the church at Philippi. There is so much instruction in Philippians for our life. In fact, there is so much instruction in the whole Bible for our life. And he says this in verse 9, and this is my prayer. How do we build a lifestyle that is, is actually attractive? This is my prayer, that your love may abound more. He's writing this imprisoned. He's writing this totally shackled, bound, not able to do what he knows he was called to do. But now he's got to shift his perspective because he's in a different place and God's still having his way. Even though he feels like he's taken out of the equation, he writes the most profound letters of instruction and deep insight into the things of God and the things of man so that we can marry heaven and earth. Boom! That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Not just your love may abound in your ushy-gushy warm fuzzies. But it will abound in knowledge and depth of insight. So, when you see a sow, that means a seed's about to be planted because that's what sowing is. It's about to plant a seed. So, that you may be able to discern what is best. Don't just brush over that, please. Each one of us need to discern in life what is best. And then that will eventually make you blameless on the day of Jesus Christ. It says it right there. 
pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Somebody profound once said to me, you know that Jesus isn't returning until the bride's ready. You know, the husband's not turning up until the bride's ready. It's de- different in Western civilization now. The, the husband, the bride, sorry, the groom is standing out there either in the sun or up the front of the church, just waiting like a dumb cluck, waiting for the wife to turn up in the limousine. And he's there going, when's she turning up? So much fun to see. But Jesus isn't coming back until the church is ready, until the bride is ready. Discern what is best so that you may be pure and blameless for for the day of Christ. And then it goes on to say, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and again to glory and praise of God. There's so much in that state. I'm going to keep just moving along. I want to jump into Philippians 2 because there is so much encouragement in this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement, verse 1 of Philippians 2, from being united with Christ. And it comes back to this. Who, who feels the presence of God when we sing? Yeah? When you pray, do you, do you feel the presence of God when you pray? And it's, it's okay if you don't, because sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm, I'm worshipping God and I'm praising and I'm, not, I'm distracted by all things and I've got to discipline myself to be, you know, to stay in the moment and to connect with God. So if you don't, if you're a little bit disconnected, oh, sorry, I'm getting off track here. If you have an encounter with God, it should mean something. It's got to change us. Just talking about knowledge. The world is going to abound in knowledge, and so knowledge is going to increase in the last days. And the, you know, the, the curve is going up on our knowledge increasing. But knowledge hmm, and understanding are different. Knowledge and understanding are very different. And then wisdom is different again. All of us have a lot of knowledge that we can regurgitate and bring up, but then have understanding about that is what he's talking about, that you may may be able to discern what is best, that you'll grow in your knowledge of love and depth of insight of love. Why just of love? Going back to Philippians 1, because that's the most profound thing, most powerful force that we have. It fixes everything. And you think, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. It does. I have not yet found a scenario or a situation where love has not fixed it. Where love is patient. Being patient hasn't fixed it. Love is kind. Being kind, love is... Now, straight away, those first two, if I can't get a response with those first two in myself, it's not about changing the other person's perspective. If I... Immediately, I'm in a conflict and I operate in love, in patience and kindness, those first two. Then it immediately changes me. It may not change the other person, but it changes me. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you've had any knowledge, any encounter, anything like that, then let it grow into an understanding. If any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, come on, guys. These aren't just words. 
These are profound statements about what God has done for us. This is a man in prison writing these things out to encourage others to have a great life, to seek the best, and he's imprisoned while he's doing it. We've got to listen to these words. They're not just rhetoric. He's not trying to sound good. He's being very specific and accurate. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Because I'm saying, what can we do, Paul? You know, you're in prison. What can we do? Make my joy complete by what? Sending him gifts, breaking him out of prison to rail against the Roman Empire? No then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Hmm. And that doesn't mean making sure everyone knows your perspective so they can agree with your opinion. No, no, no. I love it when somebody says something and it just totally shatters my perspective. I go, that's truth, what you just said. And now it shifts everything that I understand about that thing. But it, I grow in my knowledge, my understanding, and then I want the wisdom out of it, how to apply that understanding in life. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do not one thing. No thing. Out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourself. Paul, you nut. Where is this crazy talk coming from? From love. Selfish ambition and vain conceit, unfortunately, has become very rooted in the church. Even on our own perspectives or what we're listening to or what we're seeing on YouTube or social media... Hear my, my kind, patient heart. I'm trying to choose the right words, but garbage keeps coming out. Please don't allow others to do your seeking for you. It's really easy to, have, to walk into a restaurant and have your food served up to you. It's, it's lovely. But do you know what's really profound about cooking and about the human body? The longer you take to cook something, the more you prepare. Your body is being prepared to receive that food. You might go, it's a bit new agey, Steve. No, it's not. It goes way back before new age. It's old age stuff. When you're feeling it, when you're smelling it, when you're being tactile with it, your body is getting ready to receive it. You're having a taste of it. You're doing all that. Your body is getting ready to receive it. When we come to the Word, we need to make our bodies like... Not the word palatable to our bodies. We need to make our bodies ready to receive the word. I went off on a tangent then, but selfish ambition and vain conceit. And it goes on to say, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Guys, this is a lifelong journey. This is something that you're chipping at and working away at for the rest of our lives. And do you know what? It's a glorious thing. It really is. Because the more you see self go down, you see Christ come in. And you're like, what does that look like? I don't know. When you get it, you get it. 
And until you get it, you don't understand it. It's one of those things. So that's the faith step that encourages us that, oh, gee, my words aren't coming out. With me, it's really bad. I'm one of those curious people in life. Curiosity kills the cat. I, I hear something, then I'm curious about it, and I go looking. We need, and in the world, that can be a bad thing, because sometimes you hear something, you go, what is that all about? And you go looking, you go, ooh, that's a bit, you know. But we need to be curious about the things of God. Like, are, are we actually just getting it dumbed down to it? Somebody else chews up the food and then puts it into our face, no, we need to go and, and, and start touching the word. We need to go and start savoring the word. And you might go, what does that look like? Start singing it out. Start, I don't know how it is for you. Find a way. Like I find it really easy to just break into song um, in, in tongues. That's what I do around the house. That's what I do when I'm driving. That's my go-to connection with God. And then, and then I try and do like Tibetan monk singing when I do it. Because God loves it. It's fun. And I'm in the car and I'm driving along worshiping. God's talking to me and I'm having fun trying to do this Tibetan monks thing. <laughs> However you need to connect, connect. God and I have some wonderful times together. Like, I, I'm, he just makes fun of me. And I love it because I love his ribbing because it's, it's patient and it's kind. Yours isn't. <laughs> We go on to say in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Oh, who? Verse 6, being in the very nature God. We are all a combination of our birth and the culture that is most dominant in our life. He was both born of God, had the culture of heaven already in him, and he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his advantage. I've seen a lot of people use the gifts that God has given them for their advantage. To look good, to prop themselves up, to look more informed than other people and all that stuff. And that's no good. That's not what church is about. That's not what Jesus is about. We're to actually, in our relationships with one another... We are not to consider that our understanding, our wisdom or anything like that is to be used for our own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. He was being in the very nature of God. He took on the very nature of a servant. In our relationships with one another, we are meant to be servants. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man... He humbled himself. You've got to grab this, guys, by being obedient to death. By being obedient. As soon as he took on mortality, he took on mortality. He was obedient to death. You might say, oh, he knew he was going to die one day. No, no, he knew what that meant. He had to die time and time again. As a young man, don't you think he would have had testosterone fire up in his body? Yet he did not sin. Men? Yet he did not sin. He is our glorious champion. He is our general that stands before us. He did not go into the battlefields. He did not send us into the battlefield standing up on the thing, just seeing the lines draw up. He got down into it. <laughs> and not just obedient to death. He carried everything and he died throughout life 
but then even obedient to death on a cross. That's so profound that it was prophesied that he would die on a cross 400 and something years before crosses were even started. Goes on to say in verse 14, do everything without grumbling. In your relationships, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless. Again, blameless. You'll find out what is blameless and pure. You'll be children of God without fault. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. So, this is the seed, so that you may become blameless and pure. Grumbling and arguing makes us contaminated and impure. Grumbling and arguing makes us contaminated and impure. Don't do that. So that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. I don't want to stand up on something that I believe is a, a big thing in God when it's not. And then get shot down because I'm standing on some fractured, shallow ground. I want to stand on bedrock. I want to be standing on bedrock in life. Then you will shine among the, them like stars in the sky. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky. When you hear about it talking about dark generation and dark times, we need to shine. And not us shine. It needs to be an eternal light shining out of us. <laughs> when I started, then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky. I started thinking about that DC talk. You shine like stars up heaven. I won't sing it. Philippians 4, going on to that. Verse 4, he starts off with rejoice. And in verse 4 of Philippians 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm not just saying these things this morning to fill in time. This is actually great teaching on how we build a lifestyle in life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. That word rejoice there means to be cheerful all the time. Cheerful all the time. Cheerful all the time. And you might go, I can't be cheerful all the time. Cheerful in the Lord all the time. I can't be cheerful in the world all the time. I can't be cheerful in my circumstances all the time. I can't even be cheerful in my own behavior all the time. But I can be cheerful in the Lord. As soon as I step into it, as soon as I agree with heaven, as soon as I say, I have the right to be called a child of God. I don't understand that, but I do. Rejoice, rejoice. It means being well and wishing others well. That's why in Scripture it says, greet others with a holy kiss. Wish others well, be well, and wish others well. You might say, but I can't do that. That's not my nature. Change your nature. Let the dominant culture in your life influence you. Then it goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. These are all instructions in refining our life, in building a lifestyle that is based on Jesus through Paul's teaching. Let your gentle, what is gentleness here? Whatever you need it to be. Gentleness. Love is patient, love is kind. Does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, does not keep any record of wrongs does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth, always protects, always hopes, always trusts, always persevere. Love never fails. Let your gentleness, let your love be evident to all. The Lord is near. When you're not being gentle, remember the Lord is near. 
That word near, it means, means near. It actually means to either squeeze or to throttle. I'm not making this up. This is beautiful. The other two options you're given with this word. So when we're with God, he can, we can either get a squeeze from him or a, or a throttle. I've had a few of the throttles. Oh, my foot won't work this morning. I've had a few of the throttles and I've had a lot of the squeezes. Your, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is right there. He's right there. He's able to embrace you or he's, re, he's able to throttle you. No, the throttle isn't. It's, he's at hand. He's right there. He's ready to lay hold of. He's ready to grab you. He's ready to he's save you, restore you, whatever it is. I'm glad he throttles us. He grabs hold of us and does not let go. Your, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He will not let go of you. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fly off the handle when you're all under pressure and everything's like that. No, be gentle. I'm talking to Stephen here. Be gentle. And then it goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And, this is the addition, and, I used to think it was just don't be anxious, but pray, and then the peace of God. No, it's actually more than that. It's rejoice, be gentle, don't be anxious, pray, and then the, be thankful, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, all those noise, all that rhetoric in your head, all that tapes going around and around, trying to remind you of the times you fell, the times you failed, the times you were weak. Never talks about the times you were strong. That tape always reminds you when you're weak. No, no, no. You don't have to be anxious about that. The peace of God, it gets in there. It transcends it. And then it garrisons, it guards, it builds a fort around your heart and your mind. Then it says, finally, brothers, <laughs> whatever is true, whatever is noble. So the word whatever actually is a derivative of the word whatever, but it means to weigh, to have a balance, the heavier thing, the more valuable thing. So the word is, finally, brothers and sisters, the, the more valuable thing is true. The more valuable thing is noble. The more valuable thing is right. The more valuable thing is pure. The more valuable thing is lovely. The more valuable thing is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, meditate. Go over these things. That's how the peace of God transcends our understanding. You stop thinking about those negative things. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, Whatever, now this is the root word from the whatever that was before that these words are made up of. I know it's complicated, but it's really cool. So this word is whatever you see in me of value. Not just behavior, whatever you see in me of value. <laughs> whatever you've learned or received from me or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Put it into practice. Don't complain about Paul because he's done stuff and he's been a, a murderer of Christians and all that. That is on his scorecard. Yeah, 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 but don't hold that up there. <laughs> whatever you see in him that's a value, whatever you see in him as gold, whatever you see in him as silver and precious stones, put that into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Build it and they will come. What does that mean? 
build a life that's strong and whatever comes doesn't matter. Whatever befalls, it is all God. It's gravy, as the chosen would say. Gravy. What's the gravy in this situation? The gravy is we all have an opportunity to build a life in accordance with Jesus. We have that transition in our life that it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And even if we have to keep reminding ourselves time and time again that that's what we're doing, then that's what we're doing. So, we're looking at building a big building. Why are we doing that? Because we, honestly, we've outgrown this building. We're, this is too small for us. Right at the moment, we're over 75% full. We could, and once you hit 75, the 70s, and getting, we've been up to 90, 100% full and over 100% full. But as soon as you hit those things, people automatically shut off and they go, it's too hard to get a seat. We turn up late. The seat's up the front, but I don't want to have to walk through the crowd to get to them. So we're going to make it convenient for people because it's got to be convenient. But that's where I let my gentleness be. <laughs> I don't stand up the back and go, go sit up the front. I went to a church that was like that once. He was Dutch. I just added that in there. But he actually split up families, told husband to come and sit up in that seat and the wife to go and sit up in another seat. And I went, I don't think that's the way Jesus would have done it. <laughs> I shut my eyes in that service because somebody else fell asleep and he yelled at him. So I said to Kylie, I'm shutting my eyes. If he yells at me, I'm going to mouth off at the bloke. <laughs> Which was really bad form for Stephen. My gentleness was not apparent to anyone. And the Lord was near. <laughs> In the form of my wife. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So we've got to build. Like, we're going to build this building. But it's, I've seen churches do this before, and all the focus is on the building. And when the building's built, um, and then there's, there's weight to doing something like that. There's actually a, a commitment to building because we then have a financial responsibility, not just for the building, but the upkeep of the building and the upkeep of this building and everything else for future generations to walk into. Hmm. But we don't want to just build a big building. The big building is to, to make it an attractive place to come and encounter good lifestyle. And not lifestyle that's in church, lifestyle that when we come together, we all have a lifestyle of the kingdom of heaven that when we come together, it leaps, it jumps, it, it, something is birthed that we're excited about that. It's not something we do, it's who we are and it's a transition in our mindset to church is something that we go to because many people look at a building and they go, that's my church. When we should be up the street and we go, that's my church, and that's my church, that's my church, that's my church, that's my church, that's my church. All these people in here, that's my church, that's my church. These are the ecclesia that I meet with. So it's all about people, it's not about building, but we need a building to put the people in to make us comfortable. And also to impact the community. I like meeting with people anywhere. Community doesn't. They want to, they want it to, they want to see that we're actually proud about what we believe in. They want to see that we have an excellence about what we believe in. This is where we are as smart as servants, but as harmless as doves. This building isn't just a building, it's actually a testimony to the community of the love of God in our lives. Because do you know who's going to build it? 
I could get you all to look around now. Do you know who's going to pay for it? I could get you to all look around at each other now. I don't, you don't look at me. <laughs> I wish. Everything that we've ever done in this church, the finances have come out of this church. We don't have any connection. We don't have any money pot. We don't have any honey pot anywhere else. We don't have it. Somebody asked me once, so do the ACC, like the group that we're combined with, do they pay my wages? No, we give them money. We pay them duties and fees and everything all the time because they do stuff for us that I'm so glad, administration stuff and stuff to do with government and organisations. So this building, the money's going to be raised in here. It's going to be raised through us. We're the ones that are going to do it. And you say, oh, no, it's not me. Don't, don't say that. Don't say that. It is us. We are going to do this. And I have no hesitation about that at all. And do you know what the scary thing about that is? None of your houses, apart from the board, none of your houses are on the line. Mine is. Sorry, honey. I can't walk away from this even if I tried. Adrian's nodding. He's the same. There's a whole bunch in here that they've said, yep, I believe in this so much, I'm putting my house on the line. But really, if the presence of God means something and it, we've felt it, it should mean something. It should change something in the way that our, our knowledge shifts to understanding and our understanding shifts to wisdom in our life. Build according to the pattern, build it and they will come. I'm not just talking about a building, it's, it's our lives. It's our lives. How can we say, please follow Jesus, look at my life. Look how good it is, if we can't. And we're the only, you might say, but if my circumstances changed, if, if this changed, if I had more money, if I had less fat, if I had more hair... See, if I had hair, I'd be just too gorgeous. Enough said, hey. Build according to the pattern. Build it and they will come. Actually, there's something good about laughing. I, I realize that I use laughter a lot because I'll make a point and then I'll, I'll say something that's funny. And it's usually not nothing that I've thought about because I'm excited to, be, to see what comes out my mouth as well. But the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us. You wouldn't believe how many times he drops something. I say it and I'm going, oh, that's too harsh for me. But no one else knows what I just said. But the Holy Spirit said something through me to me. That's why praying is so good. That's why worshiping is so good. Because what knows the heart of God but the Spirit of God? What knows the heart of man but the Spirit of man? And sometimes things have come out of my, out of my heart and my spirit, out of my mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, out of the overflow of the heart... Okay, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. I got really challenged by my mouth many times. But one time in particular, when I was young, and a lady in our church back then, she was driving at Monarch over at Trentham Estate, heading over there. And they're all mm, whoop-de-doo sort of hills over there. They've changed a bit and leveled them out. But this is back in the 80s. And she was coming over one of those rises early and coming the other way were two trucks. One was overtaking the other one. And as she came over the rise, they were both coming at her and she had a millisecond and she just cried out, Jesus, uh, and that was it. She didn't even get to say, save me. She just, she tried to cry, slammed into one of these trucks 
She was in intensive care for a long, long time. And it made me think. Because at that point, around 12 and 13, I was in school. Um, everyone in school swore and all that. And it wore off on me a little bit. And I remember I was at the show with my friend one year. And we bought these big, giant, inflatable um, baseball bats. We were belting the snot out of each other. I remember he copped me in the face, knocked me off my feet, and I swore as I hit the ground. And I looked up and my dad's standing over me laughing. Like, where did he come? He didn't hear me. But I realized I, it came out of me. And I immediately, out of the abundance of the heart, out of the overflow of the heart, when, what is an overflow? When you get squeezed, when you come under pressure, that's what comes out your mouth. And I immediately realized I've got to start, the storehouse of my heart needs to change. The storehouse of my heart needs to change. So I changed the word, started, because you never know when the last moment, when the breath that is taken in our lungs will be the word that echoes into eternity with us. And you might say, oh, gee, I better have the right word at that moment. No, no, no. Let's practice with every moment, with every word right now that's coming out of our mouth is one of, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it, rejoice. If you're able to stand, can you stand with me? This has been a morning about identity, hasn't it? One of identity. Thank you, Daniel. Priests. You might say, what does that mean? It means a responsibility. It means a responsibility. And don't take it. It's a grace thing as well. We're graced to carry this. And it's not a heavy thing. <clears throat> Father, thank you for your presence here right now. Just as we're finishing up, let's, let's not get distracted just for a few minutes. <laughs> I love kids in the house. So awesome. Father, bless every child, every baby right here, right now. Out in, the, out in the creche or out in the foyer, Father, each child right now, by your Spirit, pour into them. Oh, value, depth, clarity of identity in Jesus' name. Lord, over each one of us, clarity of identity. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The title over our life, the title deed over our life is free. But not free to do whatever we want. Free to do whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is just. Father, thank you for your kingdom. I just feel the... Father, I, I speak blessing, favor over each life receive that now this isn't an intangible thing receive it now say yes I need blessing Father I need your favour thank you Father for your favour thank you Father for your blessing Jesus healed Jesus cleansed Jesus delivered Jesus said go and sin no more it's all that beautiful. How beautiful is that? He never condemned, but he said, go and sin no more. Father, I thank you for the encouragement that we receive in Jesus. That we don't have to be bound to sin. We don't have to be bound to missing the mark. We are free in Jesus. I speak freedom over every life right now. To break those shackles. To live free. To put on the mantle to take up the yoke of Jesus. It is easy, it is light. If you need to now, just put that yoke on your, on your shoulders. You might go, what the heck am I doing? No, no, just do a physical thing. Yeah, 
I'm putting that on. It's just around your neck. Yeah, I'm putting that yoke on. I'm bridling myself to you, Jesus. I want to be bridled by you. I don't want to be a stallion running away, just doing my own thing, running across the countryside, no good for anything. I want to be bridled. I want you to to bridle my strength, to harness my strength, to direct it, to direct my perspective, to direct my energies. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for a fresh perspective this week. Your mercies are new. Oh, your faithfulness is through every generation, Father. Oh, who are our families that you are mindful of them? Father, who are we that you are care for us? Thank you so much for our families. Thank you so much for our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's just give God a thanks, praise right now. Hallelujah. Glory to be God. It's time for oaks of righteousness to be established. It's time for oaks of righteousness. The planning of the Lord that He will be glorified. The prophecies that we're hearing coming out at the moment, the celebrity ministry is over. It's a day for faceless um, ministers in the church. And you hear this this morning, you go, yeah, that's it. That's what we're building. We're building something that we don't draw attention to us. We draw attention to us. It's not to me, it's to us. It's to Jesus. Have an awesome week, guys. Be free. Be free. Almost. Be free. Be free. Amen. Have a great week. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.